Welcome to the Sacred Dance. This podcast will aid you in finding balance in a polarizing reality. I'm your host, Annette Maria, purpose and feminine liberation coach, intuitive facilitator of healing, and channel. Exploring topics of spirituality, sexuality, healing, and the energetics behind it all. We are going deep into all that we experience on this human ride. All is welcome and nothing is off limits. You will experience conscious conversations with leading experts in the healing arts and channeled insights from me. It's time for life to feel like a sacred dance. Are you ready? Welcome to the Sacred Dance. Today, I am here with Stephanie and Jennifer Pagewise. They are quantum relationship coaches, and I am so excited today to talk to them in our conscious conversation all about the ultimate sacred dance relationships and, <laughs> oof, and you know, diving into the importance of trust and vulnerability. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure to be here. Yes. So Absolutely. happy to be here with you. Yeah. And can, you know, you just say, hi, I'm Stephanie. Hi, I'm Jennifer. So that we can differentiate the voices and the faces. Sure. Hi, I am Stephanie. And I'm Jennifer. Beautiful. We've never had two guests at once here. So <laughs> want to do that right. <laughs> Beautiful. So first, let's just dive right in, right? What is the work that you both do together in this world? Let's just open that up. Well, we are quantum relationship coaches. And what that means is that we are relationship coaches that deal with the higher energy of the relationships. We bring spirituality into it and really focus on helping you become your authentic self within the relationship, working on the boundaries that you may, may not even know you have, and then learning how to communicate about all of that stuff. And we work primarily with the LGBTQ population. Beautiful. Awesome. All right. So my just first thing that comes to my mind is, is it the ultimate test for the both of you to work together as relationship coaches? You know, is it the ultimate mirror for you? How is that? Oh, absolutely. You know, when we first decided to dive into this, we're like, are we ready to dive in? Because, oh boy, things are going to get interesting because it really does allow us the opportunity to look at our own relationship and see areas in which that there's still growth that we need. Um, so, you know, we have to continuously practice and practice and practice the things that we're teaching our clients between the two of us. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just last week, I had a moment where I realized that I was doing something that I wouldn't let a client get away with. And I'm like, you wouldn't let them get away with it. So you better buckle up and get do the thing that you know you need to do. And I did, and we had a great conversation about it, but I was avoiding a conversation. And I knew, I, I just had that moment of realization. I'm like, no, I have to do this, even though I'm kind of afraid right now. <laughs> it was perfect. Awesome. Yeah, and that's it's such a mirror, right? Our work, but you know, even your work is, you work together and then you also work in relationships. That's like, a, even magnified mirror. So I commend you both on taking this journey on together because that's a feat in itself. Oof. <laughs> yeah. I remember the day that we thought of that, that we got the idea of doing this. I actually cried because I was so afraid because mm. I knew that it was going to just put our relationship 
in under the microscope and that it would have to go through its alchemization process. And I was a little frightened of it, but I also knew I was super, super excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for that vulnerability right there to share that fear. So let's, you know, how did you both, you know, I know you just mentioned the idea came through, but how did you both decide to, to get into this work? Well, you know, our relationship itself has had some very interesting up and downs. Um, you know, we have known each other almost 12 years, but after six years of our relationship, it really did fall apart and we separated for two and a half years. And during that time, you know, we really had to do a lot of self-healing and growth. And by doing that and really tapping into our spirituality, it brought us back together. And ultimately, you know, we're getting ready to celebrate our one year wedding anniversary at this point now. So, you know, once we did that, it was like, you know, then we decided that, you know, cause, and Stephanie will tell you more about it, but you know, at her day job, she is a therapist and, you know, so she already does work with people and I do a lot of energy work. You know, I, I'm a Reiki master. Um, and I also make um, lotions for folks. So I do aromatherapy and those types of healing. And when we kind of put everything together, it was like, you know what? Why don't we try to do this together and go to the next level so we can combine, you know, the great knowledge and ability that Stephanie brings to the table as a therapist and the stuff that I could bring to the table with all of the energy work that I do and how can we work together? And so we got into coaching um, and we were going to do life purpose, you know, because, you know, everybody, not everybody, but many people struggle with not knowing what their purpose is in life. And, and so we figured we could help people in that area, but it immediately became apparent to us that we need to talk to people about relationships because we are living a relationship, obviously the two of us together. And our relationship has gone from really good to really bad to where it is today, which is amazing. So why shouldn't we do that together and really help other people find their way in relationship? Because we're in relationship with everybody. You know, it's not just about a significant other. We're in relationship with the people we work with. We're in relationship with the people we walk, you know, talk to in a, in a grocery store. So all of the skills that we teach, you use everywhere in life. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know what else I could possibly <laughs> I say know, to I'm that. Sorry. You did such a great job. But yeah, she, you know, as she said, I'm a, my day job is a, as a therapist and I just wanted to be able to impact more people and do more because the, the world of mental health therapy has a lot of restrictions on it and I'm not a person that likes restrictions. So mm -hmm. I decided to just bust out and go into coaching and it became apparent that we would make a great team. And we've been teaching together for a few years and we just love doing it. And we have such a great ability to riff back and forth. And it, it just was obvious, like, we have to do this, we're being called. And we do feel like that. We have a higher calling. This is not just to, you know, put money in the bank and food on the table. This is a higher calling. We have been called to bring more love to the world. And that's what we're doing. Mm, so beautiful. Thank you for doing that. And, you know, yes, how, and it's, you know, we're so isolated in this Western society and relationships may be scary, romantic, or even just friendships, right? And, 
learning how to find this love again for relationships, for other people, that it's safe to be around and with other people, to trust people mm -hmm. and to trust yourself. So this is so, so important to find this connection back, back to the we and not so much this isolated lone wolf that just sits in their apartment to really feel that you can be held by other people. So thank mm -hmm. you for doing this. It's medicine really is what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is because because we ultimately, as Stephanie said, you know, we want to bring more love to this planet. And, you know, if that means one person at a time, one relationship at a time, then, you know, that's our calling. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. So what has been your number one biggest struggle that you've seen with the clients that you've worked with in their relationships? Um, I think there's there's a couple of things that I know that, that our goal today is to talk about trust in, and vulnerability. And the thing is, is that we've all experienced, we, we swim in this soup in this country of individuation. And so we are told that we're not supposed to count on other people. And there's trauma in that because we truly are social beings. We are an interconnected web. I've believed that since I was a little kid. And I believe it's the truth and we don't live in isolation and yet we pretend we do. And that in itself is traumatic. And then there's all the other traumas that we receive as we're just growing up in this world. Some of them big, some of them little. You can't compare them because they all have an effect. And then that causes us to put all these barriers around us and we sort of walk around like one of those old soldiers with, you know, in the uh, full metal armor. And so we don't know how to be vulnerable. We don't know how to trust people. And when we do let somebody in, because we fall in love and we rip off the armor, but pretty soon something happens and we get scared again. And then the armor goes right back up, probably heavier than it was before. And so we just don't get through it. And so we don't talk, we don't set boundaries, and we don't pay attention to what we really need in our, in our life, let alone within the relationship. And so things break down. Mm, yes. Yeah. So there's so many layers in that. And <laughs> I would like for you to, to dive into what it looks like when trust and vulnerability, or let's just, you know, let's just stick with trust. Now, what does it look like when trust isn't valued or apparent in a relationship? How does it look? How does it feel for that couple or for that relationship? Well, you know, the thing about trust is that, um, to get vulnerable and to feel safe with someone, you have to be able to trust them. Mm -hmm. And when you can't, you know, when trust has been broken, um, it really takes a lot to heal that. And sometimes the trust could have been broken in a different relationship and you come to that relationship already not trusting people well, or it could be trust happened to be broken in that relationship. And then, you know, we have to heal what caused the problem. So you have to get both people to the table because yeah. if trust has been broken and the other person that maybe broke the trust isn't willing to say, yes, I made a mistake and I'm sorry, and let's see what we can do to move forward, then how do you gain that trust back? You know, because that's really hard. And even as I said, you know, with Stephanie and my relationship, it, when it fell apart, we had to learn to trust each other again. 
And nothing major happened. I mean, you know, there was an infidelity where some people are dealing with those types of things. But, you know, we stopped communicating and that broke our trust between us. Mm -hmm. And so we had to learn new ways of dealing with that. So when something did come up that we were having difficulty with, we would be able to lean into each other and say, okay, I need to be able to trust you. So I'm coming to you and let's see how we can work on this. And you need to allow yourself to be vulnerable to do that. Mm. I think the real flavor of it comes down to distance and that, you know, there's once, you know, like I said before, when, when we first get together in a romantic relationship, and we'll just talk about those right now, um, we, we are so in love and we're so wanting to be near somebody. And so the endorphins are making us feel safe and all of that stuff. But then when, when we start getting into life, that's when we need to have trust, long-term trust and, and be able to share our true self with someone, not just that, that initial piece. Mm -hmm. And so we, we test the waters a little bit with some of the things we talk about, but if the person responds in a way that just doesn't help us feel safe, or if we're walking in testing somebody, mm. like, I'm, I'm just going to see if you can handle my darkness. And they like have a reaction that we're like, oh, no, they're not safe. Then we close up and we stop really communicating. We stop doing that. We, we will share the surface you know, are the top 25% of our life. Yeah. But we won't share our true hearts and feelings because to really tell anybody how I'm truly feeling is terrifying. Absolutely. Because we don't know how to hold space for people. So much of the time, I mean, I, I've had so few friends in my adult life that can actually hold space for me. Mm. And... So if partners can't do that, there's a lack of trust on that level. And that's really where the trust has to grow from in the ability to, to share your full self. And if you are someone who's been wounded throughout your life, you may not even know who that is. Yeah. Because you're so guarded, so protected. You're so guarded. Yeah. The you're doing up. The armor's up. You're going through the motions of life. You know, you've got the job, you've got the car, you're, you're just doing, but you're not really living in a deep way. Yeah. And that's what, you know, we want, and I'm sure, you know, you both want to bring more love onto this earth, which means more, it, when I think of that love and this connection, it's this like vivacious energy of just like coming together and just like working with one another and I mean, it's the sacred dance. It's, you know, that's why this, it's, it's that balance between the two. Mm. So mm, how can someone, if they are guarded, protected from their own trauma and they are noticing in their relationship, they are having that struggle of communicating and that's where the distrust is stemming from. How can they as an individual move forward in trying to bring that repair back, trying to be more vulnerable? You know, for me, I would say that start with little baby steps, things that are a little bit easier to deal with, things that are not quite as deep, you know? So 
testing the water a little bit, you know, like, okay, I'm going to trust a little bit here. I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable and I'm going to see the response I get and see how that works for me. Um, and, you know, it also means doing some inner work and doing some inner healing on your own, mm -hmm. you know, to see if you can, you know, really identify these patterns in yourself, like what has caused some of this to happen, you know, what is some of this trauma that maybe I need to heal? Because it's not this person that's causing this trauma. The trauma comes with me, you know, because I've had it happen, you know, to me in the past, so it's wounded me. How do I heal those wounds? So then, you know, I don't feel as though people are digging at those wounds when maybe they're not even really happening. It's not happening at all, but that's how I perceive it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it's, it's almost a radical acceptance of yourself is the place where it starts, where it's like, yes, I have these boo-boos on my heart. They come from these things and this is how they're showing up in my life today. And I don't want to do this anymore. So how do I want to be? So it's an imagining of how do I want to be in this relationship? Mm. And then beginning in small ways, as Jennifer said, to behave as if I am safe. Mm. And you test it in that way. It's like, I am going to say that I would prefer pizza for dinner rather than steaks. Yeah. And something as small as that can be because we've talked to so many people who they don't even like put their opinions in about what to have for dinner. That's yeah. how locked up they are. Yeah. And so it starts in the mundane. Yeah. That they start to just start to voice what their true belief is. So rather they than, don't know what they like to do. Right. Because it's a knee jerk response. Because think about it, in some some of us started in preschool, we've been conditioned to give the response that the other person wants to hear. Yeah. And so we have to un we have to unhinge that conditioning by starting to say somebody says something about dinner and you look go within, it's like I would like a salad for dinner. And you just listen to the to your voice, your internal voice. Yeah. And then you you say that. You say, I would like a salad for dinner. Yeah. And it, sometimes it's as small as that. And that's the beginning of it. Absolutely. And I, it might, that resonates with me because I, with my partner, he is always someone who would just be like, whatever you want. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Maybe that's what you've been told your whole life, but what do you want? And he's just still like, I don't know. <laughs> but it's like right? this daily thing where I always have to remind you know, I'm like, this isn't my relationship. This is our relationship. And me asking him and like bringing that back to him, like giving him that space to be held. And it's really beautiful to do that for him because it's really allows him to feel that empowerment finally in himself. And he's like, you know what? I want this. And I'm like, let's do that. You know, and it's nice, but it's beautiful to have this communication, but, and it is scary to share from that deep vulnerable place, what you're thinking, what you're feeling. And I know I've been knees shaking, going to him, like, I don't know, but I feel, I feel, I know with him, I feel safe. And mm -hmm. for someone who doesn't feel that safety, how can they, you know, if their partner responds in a way that is, you know, gives them that trauma response, how can that individual 
move forward? Well, honestly, there may be some times that you have to walk away. Sometimes it's just the other person's not receptive. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to put that out there, right? right? Not all relationships can transcend this, but do the work on your authentic self, you know, get into your true authentic self. And then you go communicate to that partner in a very gentle way, in a very loving way. You know, I want us to change how we talk to each other. I want us to change this paradigm of push me, pull you in this relationship. Mm. This is what I've been working on. And I want you to come on this journey with me. So can we start this again? Can we do this again? Mm-hmm. And you try again. It's not a one and done. You know, Jennifer and I still, you know, we, sometimes we, we meet each other right in the middle and other times I'll say something or she'll say something and the other one will ping and yeah. we'll have our trauma response and I'll become trauma Steph or she'll become trauma Jen. <laughs> and we have to go off and deal with our own stuff for a little, for a few minutes, sometimes a half an hour. And then we come back and try again. Sometimes it's a day, it's a day later. It's like we really pinged and it's a day later. So it's not a quick fix, but it can be done in a few months, but both people have to be willing to come in and know that they want to get to go deeper in their relationship. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. And I know even within us, you know, when I notice that come through if I feel that trauma response with myself or within him and even verbalizing like, Oh, I'm really triggered right now. Oh, like even like, you know, opening up deeper and deeper about my own pain. Oh, it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, that's part of it. And how you said trauma, trauma stuff and trauma, Jennifer, I, we'd have a thing where we let each other act like the little, the age that we're feeling. Mm-hmm. So if we're like, I'm three years old right now and I don't want to do the dishes or whatever, we let each other like have that like little temper nice. tantrum. And it's really funny actually. And it gives that playfulness to the space rather than this, you know, collision. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to add that because it's something silly that we do too often. In I love it. Honestly, we really we kind of have a process to go through when you start to identify your own triggers, because that's what Jennifer and I did. When we got back together, we were both being triggered to the past. So we had our first chapter of our relationship, which was six years, and there were some dark times in it. And so stuff would then happen once we got back together that would trigger me. And I'm sure Jennifer absolutely to the past and be like, Oh my gosh, we're doing the same thing again. Oh no. I can't do this again. I can't go through this, this anguish again, because breaking up with, I was the person who broke up with her. I walked away and it was absolutely the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Mm. And I couldn't, I just like, I can't do it again. And I, and so I, I, I was always, I mean, there was a part of me that was like, I'm looking for those things because if this isn't going to go well, I want to cut it off as soon as possible. Yeah because I can't do it. I don't want them to have to go through it because she and Ian stayed living together and I went away. Mm -hmm. Um, So we would, I would actually, I just kind of organically started saying, oh, I just got triggered or that reminds me of, and I just owned it a hundred percent. And I would, and so then we could talk about it and and I encouraged Jennifer to do it too. So we had a lot of conversation about those things 
because we had done a lot of spiritual work in the time that we were separated so that we were ready to come back together. So if you're in a relationship and you're struggling, know that this is a twofold process. It's your own work and it's the work on the relationship. Mm -hmm. And if, you're, if your other person doesn't want to do their own work, it's going to slow it down. It can still happen. And if you're committed to the relationship, they will likely come along. Yeah. But it just might take a little while longer. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And you'll have to be a leader. Right. And as Stephanie said, you know, there are some times that we will, you know, let someone know that we just don't know how we can fix this free, you know, that this can be fixed because not every relationship is destined to survive. It just isn't. And that's just human nature. It might not be the right person for you. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't grow into who you're supposed to be. So then you are open and, and attracting the next person that is going to be that right person for you. Yeah. Absolutely. And I do also, I, I, I believe two things. One, I think that sometimes we're in people's lives for a reason, a season or a lifetime. So that sometimes we are with someone for a while and it works and then it stops working and it's time to move on to the, to the next layer. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it is a lifetime. And so if there are problems, I truly believe that they can be fixed. I truly believe that I, I had no intention of getting back together with Jennifer. She yeah. always held out a candle of hope. I had none. I truly didn't. And if we can do it, anybody who's willing can do it right but there's the key both people have to be willing and that means doing your own inner work and then working on your relationship because you know to come at something as a victim and not owning your part in it you can't work. you have to take your part you have to accept that okay i made some mistakes and i want to make things different yeah and that owning it is the element of vulnerability. That's, it is. Oh, it's the oh, biggest asshole. Sorry, you know. Right, <laughs> right, right. I mean, who wants to have to admit that they're wrong or that they did something that, you know, they regret? We don't like to have to do that. As human beings, most of us don't purposely try to hurt other people. And I say most because, you know, there's always people that, you know, you kind of stay away from. But for the most part, I did not go out of my way to try to hurt Stephanie, even though I know I did. I know I hurt her. I didn't do it purposely. It just happened. Absolutely. Mm, yeah. So with vulnerability comes, you know, the person, right? Being that, you know, the single eye being vulnerable, but then on the other side in the relationship is the listener. So can we dive into listening and holding space because it is a game changer and I just want you to talk about that. <laughs> I love it. Uh, being able to hold space, you have to be so patient. And, you know, we, we've, like I said before, our knee-jerk response to someone else speaking is to speak back, you know, and that's, so we, we have to break that habit of jumping in to fix. That's really what it is. We, you know, someone tells us something that is heart-wrenching and we want to fix it. We want them to feel better, usually for self-serving reasons, because we don't want to be in that much pain ourselves. Mm -hmm. 
So we have to be ready to experience our own pain in the face of someone else's mm. and to just be willing to acknowledge their pain and acknowledge my own while they have their moment of emoting. Mm. It doesn't mean that we have to fix it. And that's what holding space is all about. It's just like, you know, I can come to Stephanie and say, hey, can you just listen? I, I don't want you to try to solve this for me. I just need someone to hear me so I can get it off my chest and I can feel my feelings. And then I can figure out where I need to go from there. Or I can say, you know what? Do you have any, any suggestions on it? But she's not gonna automatically be thinking in her mind, already having a response mm -hmm. to what I'm saying. I mean, because a lot of times that's what we do in our head. We're already thinking about what are we gonna be saying back to someone and really not listening to what they're saying. Cause we're already in our mind thinking about our response the answer. Yeah. and the answer. We don't have to have the answers. And that's what holding space is, is that you're just there, you're listening you're caring. Sometimes it's just someone needs a hug. You know, they don't need you to solve it. Yeah. That's soundboard type of energy. And you know, how you were saying with Jennifer, when you were saying about, you say that you, you say, I don't want feedback or I do. How do you identify that within yourself? Um, you know, I think for me, um, it kind of goes along with the conversation because there are times when, um, you know, I could originally say that go to Stephanie because I just want someone to hear me. But as we're talking, it, it just, you know, I, I just get a message that maybe Stephanie does have something important that she can bring to this conversation. And then we're connecting on a spiritual level. And, you know, spirit is then guiding the conversation. So I really think that, you know, it really depends on the conversation and connecting with, you know, all that there is out there because, you know, we all are connected. So, you know, it, it just allows us to connect on that spiritual level. And then spirit is speaking through her, not Stephanie speaking to me. Yeah, absolutely. And it gives that opportunity, right, to say what you need also and speak up for that. And I think, would you recommend, you know, starting the conversation with, listen, I don't want feedback, but I'm going to share, or I need feedback, I'm going to share. Would you recommend to do that? Maybe at the beginning, you know, if you're just starting this as a new process with somebody, and normally they're ones that just want to immediately have an answer and fix it for you you know, letting them know that, you know, I, I really don't want you to fix this. I just want you to hear me. Yeah. And it's good practice for both of you, especially if one is usually the fixer and, you know, the other person needs to be able to, as you say, even make a decision of what do you want to eat? Mm. Right. I mean, if, if, if you struggle with that, then, you know, when it comes to something that's, you know, more important or deeper, you know, you need to know that you can come up with your own answers too. Yeah. And I do, I do agree that it's a really good practice because I think we still do it because there are times when I'll go to her, it's like, can I just talk this out with you so I can hear it out loud and then we'll see where it goes. 
because there may be nothing that I really need any feedback on. I just need to hear it out loud and like work it through verbally. And then I know the answer. Yeah. I just needed the space. And so I think we do kind of, I, I work pretty hard to do that. And I, and sometimes we don't remember. And then I'll be hearing her and I'm like, okay, do you want feedback on this? And so I'll ask. And I think as the relationship develops and you use these skills, you will know to ask that question and to give the space for the, the sharing and then to ask the question, okay, what do you need right now? Mm -hmm. And, but I think, you know, especially if you're someone who's has a hard time expressing your needs, get better at it, practice it. And this is one of those times to express it. Cause then guess what? You don't get disappointed by the other person. Yeah. Cause they know what you need. Yeah. And that's the important piece, right? On the other side, the expectation is known of what you're asking for rather than being frustrated that one, the person's always trying to fix you or two, that no one's ever listening to you. And then I'm just relating to my own internal things that I've worked through. Right. And then mm-hmm. it's always like, no, no, no. Like, I don't want you to give me an, you know, and then you get like frustrated and you're like, oh, whatever, forget it. And right, it's right. like, no, no, that's an opportunity to go deeper with each other rather than say, screw this. So exactly. And when you start off with easy things, then when there really are some you know, tough things to have to deal with. You have the skills. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just practice, practice. You're going to fall down. You're Mm going to try and fix maybe once in a while. And then you're like, oh, sorry. I didn't need to do that. Right. Catch yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. That deeper awareness. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So now I'd love to open up the conversation to you know, the differences in the dynamics within a relationship that there is in a same-sex couple. Mm, It is a little bit different, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think in a heterosexual couple, there are certain norms that most often people fit into. And, you know, the, the man tends to be more assertive or is seen as this, the man is the more assertive one and making, you know, the final decisions on things. The woman is the more emotional one and putting in for her feedback. And then sometimes, I mean, she really often does hold a lot of, a lot, a lot of the power, but it's unspoken power mm-hmm. within the relationship. And so we kind of know how it will go. In a same-sex relationship, I think that that's, that is just so much more fluid and it can cause some confusion. Like, I don't really know how I'm supposed to be in this relationship. And it, it's, it's free, it's a very free feeling, but that feel, free feeling can feel awfully vulnerable at times as well. Um, so I think that there's just a lot more kind of meta relationshiping going on where we're relating about the relationship Mm -hmm. in in a same gender relationship because we have to or we're just unconscious and things are going awry yeah but to really have a conscious relationship we truly do have to be like I need to be me and what does that look like in this relationship Okay. And in some relationships, you know, um, people do take on different gender roles and that's okay too. But again, it's all about communicating that like, okay, 
well, you know, I don't mind doing more of the heavy lifting and I don't mind doing more of the domestic household stuff. I mean, that's just a conversation you have Mm -hmm. as to who is going to do what, because again, you know, in a lot of times in more of a, you know, heterosexual relationship, most of the time, and it's not, you know, of course there's always not it's not always, but you know, the man takes out the garbage and maybe the woman cooks dinner. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's kind of more of the roles that we are raised with in Western society. So it is different when you have same sex to know, okay, who's taking on what roles. And it's, so it, it just allows for more communication. Yeah. And is that a conversation that you both, you know, have had, you know, I'm sure you've had it, of course. But is, you know, when you step in, is that something that happens straight away or would you recommend that happening straight away so that, that there isn't that friction coming up moving forward as you're like living together or evolving in your relationship? I absolutely think it should be talked about because otherwise you have confusion and r- disagreements about how things are going to be. And most of the time it's, it ends up not being equal. You know, most of the time there's someone who's more focused on household tasks and things like that so that they get more of this done. And so there's an inequality of things that are going on. So in order to prevent resentment, it's just a great place to start. And it really creates the foundation if you're moving in together of a solid relationship with open communication, because we're already talking about these things. Yeah. And so it's a great place to start, you know, but I think one of the other things that I wanted to mention that's a little bit different about the LGBT relationships is that there's trauma in just being LGBT, you mm-hmm. know, in the coming out process and the fear about it. And, you know, can I truly trust people? Because we are a minority, don't like using that word, but it truly is. Most people, you know, and I'm a person that I've been accused of being able to pass because I'm not really, I I look fairly androgynous. I can can be very femme or I can be very butch. Mm -hmm. And so, and so I've gotten heat from the lesbian community because I can. But I'm also mistaken in the straight community. People don't necessarily know that I'm gay. And so I end up like not knowing if it's okay to say something. And I'm sure everybody, you know, we have this coming out story. There's not one coming out story. There's 6 million coming out stories for every person. And every time you come out to someone, it's vulnerable. And, you know, we had a conversation with a gay man and, and he's afraid to hold his husband's hand on the street because he's afraid that they'll get jumped. Mm. So there's trauma in just being ourselves, which it's hard then to be vulnerable when you're not feeling safe. So the only time we feel safe is behind closed doors. Well, that's not very safe feeling. And so to turn it on and off, that's a hard switch to make. Yeah. And so we don't, because most of us aren't thinking about it, we're living sort of unconsciously. If we're not making that that conscious shift into, okay, I'm with my beloved, I can be vulnerable. We just go through the motions and we don't trust Mm -hmm. because we're, we're, our, our don't trust switch is on all the time. Because you don't know. We don't know. I wouldn't step foot into a church 
for probably 20 years. Because mm-hmm. I was, a, I was just, just convinced that whoever was sitting behind me had a knife to, th- to put in my back. Mm. Because and I didn't know what people were saying behind closed doors. I didn't know. And so I just wouldn't even go in. Yeah. Even if it was a quote liberal church. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're walking through. And so when you talk about trust and vulnerability, that's a big barrier to it. Yeah. And that's a whole nother layer to it. And thank you for sharing that and touching on that because my heart just even hurts you even sharing that because that's another added layer of trauma that, you know, I personally just will never understand. And that is, you know, that's just another weight put on the individual, which then weighs down the relationship double. And And there's some people that, you know, are trying to be authentically themselves, but they're not accepted by society. And that could be their family too. I mean, we have many people that have come out and lost family and, and lost friends because of it. And, you know, I lost a couple of friends when I came out and it wasn't easy because I wasn't any different. I was still Jennifer. I just now told you who I truly was, but that doesn't mean that I'm a different human being. So I can't even imagine losing family. I, you know, we were both lucky that we have not lost our family. I know people who have, and especially like, especially people in the trans community who like maybe raised their children as their father and then now has realized that they truly need to come out and be a woman and their children walk away because wait a minute, now you're not my father anymore because you're dressing like a woman. So, I mean, there's all of these other layers that cause people to armor up in the LGBT community that folks that are not in the LGBT community really don't understand. And when we had this conversation with this friend of ours, who's a gay man and said that he's afraid to walk down the street holding his husband's hand because he's afraid they're going to get jumped by some homophobic man. It's like, oh my goodness. It's just, it's just a whole different layer. You know, we don't have that as much in the, because women aren't quite as violent as men can be. Unfortunately, it's just, you know, society. And so for us to worry about walking down the street and getting jumped by another woman, we might get some comments because women are, you know, more verbal, more verbal than they are physical. Right. Right. You know, we outcome the clause. So yeah, we could get some nasty comments from women if we're walking down the street, holding hands, but to be not able to walk down the street, holding your husband's hand because you're afraid someone's going to jump you. That's hard. That's hard. That's, that's that. I can't imagine the way I feel weight and I'm, it's not mine. Right. And to have that to be yours is a whole nother layer. How do you guide people through that? You know, through being, yeah. How do you guide people through that? We do a lot of holding space, you know, and just being the witness to their pain, but it's truly to start to truly embrace their authentic self. And to the, the, and the boundary piece is what's mine and what's not mine. They have their opinions and those aren't mine. It's not about me. It's about them and their feelings and their fears. So it hurts because I've lost that person, but I can't take ownership of that losing. Mm. I have to take ownership of my 
personal happiness and joy and being my authentic self and just getting better and better at being in that authentic self. And we're, when we're in our authentic self, we are strong. Yeah. And then we create our own community. I mean, right. that's the thing. It's like, you know, I don't have a lot of biological family only because many of them have passed away, mm-hmm. but I have a huge family that aren't related to me by blood because those are the people that I've surrounded myself with. Yeah. So as hard as it is to lose people, we have to create our family. Mm-hmm. And I think that's for everybody. I mean, because it happens in heterosexual relationships too, where you lose people or you have to walk away from toxic relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there, there are many people that have to walk away from biological family, not just the LGBT community. Lots of people have to do it. So, you know, we try to help people understand who they are authentically and then find their community find their own family create your own safety yeah and that's all we can do take ownership for ourselves we could you know continue to blame society and the external because there are so many things that need to be changed and fixed right but nothing is gonna we need to work on the individual first and then then combat the the beast right right but without feeling the strength within ourselves to be us, how can we then go tackle even greater issues? So, right. It has to all start with your own self. Yeah. Find safety within. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, how you kept saying throughout this conversation, finding that authentic self coming Mm -hmm. back, who am I? Ask yourself that. Who the hell is I? And I changed all that. Like, I feel like Parts of me have died and rebirthed. I'm like, who am I today? I don't know. You know, right, <laughs> right. There's that element of getting to know yourself every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we are. I mean, we are creative beings, so we're constantly evolving. You know, we we may have some core values that stay pretty constant. You know, who we are, but then you know how that's showing up does shift and change. And if we haven't been paying attention to who we truly are, we ha- we might be in for some surprises. It might be <laughs> kind of fun, but we also have to learn to hold space for ourselves yeah. to do that. So you can hear that still small voice of, I like M&Ms. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, I'm tired of eating pizza every Friday. Let's speak up so I maybe I can just get my salad, right? I mean, um, silly little things like that, that can be really big. Yeah. Yeah. Baby steps to snowball in to what we're <laughs> really are wanting to embody. Yeah. <sighs> Thank you ladies so much for joining me today. How can people connect and work with you? Well, they can find us in, in two very easy ways. Our name is Enchanted Awakening. That's the name of our program. So we are at www.enchantedawakening.love. And yes, we we picked that as an ending. Because we got dot love. We got Woo! dot love because yeah, that's what it's all love. about. <laughs> so enchantedawakening.love is our website. And then Enchanted Awakening is the name of our Facebook group. We have a private Facebook group. And, you know, there's just a couple questions to answer to make sure that you fit into, you know, who we are and what we do. And um, we do weekly trainings in there and sometimes even more than weekly trainings. Beautiful, creating that safety mm-hmm. and in the online space. It's all, yes. it's all possible. Mm. So we end every conscious conversation here on the sacred dance with asking, what is your number one tip 
to aiding someone in finding balance in their reality? Well, you can have two tips because there's two. There's <laughs> two of us. I think really getting in touch with their authentic self, you know, connecting with their spiritual being because we are spiritual beings having a human experience. So we have to connect with spirit and then we, we have a better understanding of who we are. And I think I'm going to go a little bit different, a little more, more dots and bolts, create systems for everything in your life. So you don't have to think about them. Hmm. System, yeah, systems for cleaning the house and how often you clean the house and in what revolution you do, systems for doing your bills, systems for making sure that you have enough water every day so that all of your biological, you know, all the, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, make sure your bottom two are totally rock solid because then you have space for the love and the spirituality. Mm, thank you. I love systems and I love being your authentic self. So perfect. <laughs> All is well. Thank you so much. So, so much for joining me here today. This was such a beautiful conversation. Thank you. It was really great. Yes, thank you thank so much you for, for having us. this space. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the sacred dance. If you enjoyed the medicine shared here, check us back out next Thursday as there are new episodes released every week. You can find this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, and YouTube. Be sure to rate and review the podcast as you check us out so that we can grow and spread this community of balance, sovereignty, and everyone finding their own nuggets of truth in it all. Thank you and see you next week.